Um, since then, PCF has adapted and we've adjusted. And like everyone else, we have gone uh, online. We've been able, thankfully, to continue uh, many core aspects of our program, including Friday night meetings like this. Our small group Bible studies have continued. Personal hours uh, uh, have continued in uh, this new normal. Um, we've uh, had our daily prayer meetings uh, have continued, our weekly global ministry team meetings, uh, and, and more. Uh, certainly, one of the sad developments of the sudden exodus from campus uh, was for the seniors. Uh, who really felt the rug pulled out up from under their feet in terms of their final weeks of their senior year uh, ending so um, suddenly and unexpectedly as it did. Uh, and we uh, were planning to host an event for uh, the seniors who are involved in PCF to honor them uh, tomorrow afternoon. But all in all, we're very grateful for the opportunities uh, that the Lord has given uh, during this time. We're very thankful for uh, each one of you for your uh, continued encouragement to us. We're, we're grateful for those who continue to support the ministry financially during these uncertain times. Uh, we're, we're encouraged. Uh, finally, I, I, I did want to mention, and as I hope you've all received through our communications, I hope you're getting our uh, communications. Um, as we've announced in June, I will pass the baton of leadership of uh, PCF to Chris Saladay. Uh, Debbie and I are not leaving uh, PCF at this time and we will continue to serve on the PCF team happily. Um, but this is a significant transition. It, uh, it is for, for us uh, and it is for the organization. Um, we believe it's a strategic uh, transition uh, which will be good uh, for PCF as well as uh, pleasing to us. And I just wanted to take this occasion to say that personally, I am, I am thankful, I am uh, humbled, I am uh, continually surprised uh, that the Lord uh, in, in his um, mercy and his goodness has given me this opportunity and this role to serve him in this way. Debbie and I have been on the, the staff with PCF since 1985. Um, and uh, I have served as the director since 1996. Uh, and I hope uh, that during this time we have, by God's grace, been able to stay true to the gospel and to the purpose of this organization, uh, which and our founding document says is to proclaim, uh, to promote, uh, I'm sorry, to promote among its members a deepening knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and to enable them through yielded lives to make him known on the university campus. Uh, may it be so, Lord, may it be so. I'm, I'm really delighted that Chris Saladay will serve in this role going forward. Uh, Chris is a beloved friend. He is a respected colleague and teammate. He's a godly and faithful man. Uh, he is well gifted. He is well prepared to assume this role. He is well equipped to guide PCF through the opportunities and, and no doubt the challenges uh, that uh, are before us. And uh, I hope and I trust uh, that you will join with me 
in giving uh, to Chris your full, full support as he steps into the role uh, at this time. Uh, please pray for us, uh, pray for PCF, pray for the advance of the gospel here at Princeton. Uh, and thank you. I love you all. Thank you. God bless you all. Um, it's great to be with you tonight. And now I'm, I'm going to hand things over to Chris. He has a message uh, for us uh, from uh, 2 Corinthians. So, Chris. Well, thank you, Bill. Um, and just to transition off of what you're saying, I'm very grateful and humbled by the opportunity to serve as the next director of PCF. And I would like to say a couple of words to you, Bill, on behalf of the people on this call and then the many people who aren't here on this call. We are grateful for your faithful, wise, and loving leadership as director of PCF. Without a doubt, Bill, you are a good shepherd. 36 years of students and 24 years of staff members have been impacted and blessed by you and by Debbie as you have come alongside of them in the name of Christ at a strategic time in their life. It is really unfortunate that we cannot give you a big hug, a handshake, an in-person affirmation to honor who you are, how God has used you, um, and what you have done. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, but virtual hugs and thumbs up and applause, is, it just doesn't cut it. So Bill, know this, when the time is appropriate, we will give you hundreds of hugs and handshakes. And Bill and Debbie both, we are so grateful that you're not going anywhere and that you'll continue to minister to the students here with PCF for more days to come. But as Bill said, I'm going to give a short message out of 2 Corinthians. Uh, back in February, before the university and much of the rest of the world transitioned to lockdown and to virtual where possible, we began a semester-long series in 2 Corinthians. Uh, and our series title was God's Strength in Our Weakness. And, and thanks to technology like we're using now, as Bill said, we're we were able to maintain our Friday night meetings. And thank God for that. Um, and we made our way through this great letter of the Apostle Paul. We made it from start to finish. Uh, and tonight, I, I want to linger here in this great letter one more time. I want to shine a spotlight on a short passage from chapter 5, specifically verses 4 to 7 and also 21. And just before I read God's word for us tonight, three quick reasons why this text stuck out to me and, and I used it for tonight. Number one, it's gospel-centered. Number two, it mentions tense. And I couldn't help but think of many of you would be coming from Princeton reunion tents right now, or you would be going to reunions tents after the PCF meeting under more normal circumstances. And then number three, the text also talks about groaning. And that's something I imagine all of us have expressed to some degree or other over the last three months. So listen, as I read God's word for us this evening, coming from 2 Corinthians 5. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, 
we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. And moving to verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I want to consider one noun and three verbs from this text. So the noun, this tent, right? Verse four, for while we are in this tent. Now you might remember the apostle Paul, he made tents for a living. And maybe you love sleeping in a tent out in the middle of the wilderness. You know, three cheers for those of you who did outdoor action. And I've already referenced the reunions tent. You know, they get set up, tens of thousands of people gather under them, and then a few days later, they get taken down. We know what a tent is. It's a relatively flimsy, temporary structure that provides a place for you to dwell. And of course, this tent that Paul has in mind here is not made of fabric, but it is our body. Your body is a tent. It's the place where you dwell. Your body is an important and integral part of who you are, who God has made you. God has made us embodied creatures. And like the rest of creation, he called our physical bodies good. But because of the fall and because of the consequences of our sin, now our bodies, just like my three-person tent that I hope to use this summer, they are relatively flimsy, temporary structures that are not going to last forever. And so now this brings us to our first verb, groaning. So verse four again, in this tent, we groan and are burdened. And I get it, our bodies groan because with each passing year, we feel our age in different ways. When I was younger, I never worried about injuring myself while I slept. But now it's becoming more common for me to wake up and I reach for the Advil to take care of the ache in my neck. That's a small part of the groaning that Paul is talking about here, but it is much bigger than that. The text says we are groaning to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. We are fragile creatures who have a tenuous hold on life. We want a body that isn't fragile, but is indestructible. We want a life that's not tenuous, but is eternal, is connected to the author and the giver of life. And this is the poignant reality, I believe, of 2020. This is the reality that we are all learning in the world. And some of us have already learned this long ago, but some of us maybe are learning it for a very fresh way and for the first time. All of us are fragile creatures, regardless of our age, our fitness level, what country we come from. So if I had to label this year in light of 2 Corinthians 5 and the unexpected season that we find ourselves in, I would label it the year of groaning because COVID-19 has truly upended the world. We are all exhaling a collective groan as we experience, think about it, social isolation, job insecurity, and loss, uncertainty, emotional weariness, 
physical sickness, death, just a lack of control. It is so humbling that a virus that is one-tenth of a micron, that's 500 times smaller than the width of a human hair, that that has exposed and shown how vulnerable we always are. And in this season of lockdown, I, I know many who are experiencing increased conflict in their families. People have expressed a mournful groan to me just at their own inability to love others the way they're <laughs> supposed to be loved. And haven't we all groaned in that way? A, a desire to not sin against somebody else, a desire to not hurt somebody else, but yet we do and we groan for transformation. Which brings us to the second verb, swallowed up. Verse five, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. The world is not the way it is supposed to be. We are not the way we are supposed to be. There are things that need to be swallowed up. I mean, it's like that nature show that my kids love to watch. You know, the 30-foot snake comes and it swallows up its unsuspecting prey. And then a few weeks later, it's gone. It's no more. And Romans 8 has a similar message. All of creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth, waiting for redemption, for transformation. There is stuff out there, out there, and then there is stuff in here in us that needs to be swallowed up, redeemed, and transformed. And until then, the yearning and groaning, we will be left yearning and groaning for something or someone to come and to swallow up all that bad stuff. And, and, and that's the underlying melody of our life in the world. And you just need ears to hear it. Things like our aging bodies, they need to be swallowed up. Our sinful minds and hearts, need to be swallowed up. The impact of this pandemic, sickness, grief, loneliness, job loss, or the brutal injustice towards George, George Floyd that we've witnessed in the Minneapolis and in so many other cities before that, that needs to be swallowed up by justice, by righteousness, and by genuine change. Or the crisis among the Rohingya in Bangladesh, the homeless refugees who were once persecuted now facing a devastating aftermath of a monsoon and COVID-19. That's a crisis that needs to be swallowed up. There is so much all around us that needs to be swallowed up. And in some cases, God sends you and me as his agents to do just that. You and I, we are called to love our neighbors to serve with Christ's hands and his mouth in our communities and in our workplaces. And I am always so encouraged when I see you doing that in little ways and in big ways, but you can't swallow up everything. But as God's agents, you and I, we nibble, we nibble here and there. And, and, and by his grace, we make impacts and we make changes for his glory. Praise God for the ways in which he uses you as his agents of good and love in the world. But we know we're not good enough, and that's what brings us to the third verb, 
here in our text, we might become. Verse 21, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Somehow, the end point of this verse is that we become righteous. That's the end point, but look at the starting point. God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Jesus took on a tent. He took on a body. Think of that. He took on flesh and bones just like you and me, but unlike us, he chose it. And Jesus stepped into this tent and then he walked among us. And then Jesus also stepped into our groaning. He became exhausted enough to sleep through a storm. He watched his friends die. He was betrayed and abandoned by friends. He was the victim of terrible injustice and he kept silent. See, Jesus didn't just enter our human existence to groan with us, though he did, but he entered into this world to groan for us. Jesus groaned as the unique savior of the world from the cross, and he did what only he could do. He became a sin offering for us. And amazingly, through this, God swallowed up our sin and gave us Jesus' righteousness. It is an unfair but glorious and gracious exchange. Jesus takes on a body or a tent. Jesus groans and dies as Savior. And now we, through faith in him, we have his righteousness as a gift. And now the Christian, you can confidently say, our sin and our death have been what? Swallowed up by victory. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord, and his resurrection. Hallelujah. And as the text says, therefore, we can have confidence in his spirit. If you are in Jesus, then his spirit is alive and at work in you. Verse five, God has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And I remember being blown away by this promise years ago that God actually lives in me through his spirit. And if his spirit is in you, he says to you, you belong to me and I can, I will transform you. And now, even though humanly speaking, you are just a tent by his spirit in you, you go from a tent to a temple of the living God. From a tent to a temple by the spirit of Christ. And as people of the spirit, we live by faith and not by sight. And a day is coming soon. It might be tonight, it might be tomorrow, it might be 50 years from now. But a day is coming soon when all will be swallowed up in total victory. All of Jesus' enemies are at the footstool of his feet. And it may not appear that way right now in 2020, but we do not live by what we see. We live according to what we know and what we believe. 
And while we live by faith, while we live in these tents, and while we groan, we are called to be God's agents of good, of beauty, of righteousness, and of hope. And so may God strengthen you through his spirit to continue to live by faith and to bring his will to earth as it is in heaven for the sake and for the glory of Christ. Amen.